welcome to episode 140 of Two Guys, a Glove, and a Coke Bottle podcast. He's Danny Zarchi. He's Thomas Todd. And we're Giants fans. Hey, Danny, what's up? The Giants are Giants are up. That's what. Now, if 500 were a, a number, it's not. But if 500 were a number, would you say the Giants are above it, at it, or below it? They're above it, Thomas. The Giants are wow. five and four, which is, which means that they've won more games than they've lost. Can you imagine that? If you, if I had told you before the season that on August first, we would be above 500. <laughs> Would you believe me? I am dying over here. That is that is the best opening I could have imagined. Um, also, the Giants have played nine games. How many teams can say that at this point? Not the Marlins. <laughs> Not the Marlins. Yeah, that's... I mean, okay, I've already been proven wrong because I didn't think that any team would end up playing this many games in the season, but I've been proven right that this whole thing is just an utter shit show. We're we're about what two three more teams away from just putting a big old pause on the season. Well, the Marlins have are still sitting at three games on the season. Um, the Phillies haven't played in a while. The Cardinals are now pausing their games. Um, did the Yankees start playing again? I'm not even sure. So I believe they were also postponed this weekend. Like, I mean, this kind of falls back to the question of like, even if we do end up getting somewhere in the realm of, you know, more than 40 games, 50 games, you know, whatever, are we just going to reach a point where they call the season and say, okay, we're done. We're going to do the playoff seeding, you know, as of today. And we're going to do it based on every team having had played a different number of games. Like that's, that's ridiculous. Cause then you're going to have so many people who are like, you know, half a game back because they haven't played as many games and they didn't make the, and they don't make the playoffs as a result. And it's just like, you know, how is that going to be? Are they going to change the schedule to reflect the fact that the Marlins can't field a major league team right now, which they could barely do to begin with, but you know, they, they literally do not have enough healthy players to play a game. So when they start, you know, bringing, once they trade for more guys and bring up more guys from, uh, from, you know, the taxi squad and, pick up, you know, couch free agents, things like that. Eventually they're going to be able to play games until another outbreak happens, but like they're not they're not going to play double headers every day. You know, we're going to reach a point where some teams are four or five or six or 10 games behind where other teams are, and that's just ridiculous. Well, and you're talking about a scenario where things go right where we do finish the season where it's scheduled to be finished and then have a postseason. There's also still a possibility where major league baseball just has to hit a big old button in the middle of the season and baseball disappears like Homer Simpson into the hedges and just has to pretend none of this ever happened. Yeah. And like Rob Manfred, the commissioner today made this really stupid, you know, it's really stupid quote, which, you know, is par for the course for him in, in a lot of these issues where just like completely um, not not reading the room that a lot of these faults with the Marlins um, and some of the other issues are mostly because MLB has not cre- has not put their players in a bubble. They've not you know imposed any sort of rules or watchdogs or anything like that to make sure that people you know act responsibly. And what he said is he says we are playing. This is Rob Manfred. He says we are playing. The players need to be better, but I am not a quitter in general, and there's no reason to quit now. We have to be fluid. We have had to be fluid, but it's manageable. 
First of all, let me say to Rob Manfred and everyone out there, being a quitter is good. Being a quitter means that you recognize when things are going wrong and you stop throwing good money after bad. I take pride in being a quitter. Somebody who can look at something you know what and quit say, rhymes with though, Danny? What's that? You know, quit rhymes with grit. And that's what Rob Manfred is showing. He's exactly. the grittiest of all the commissioners. I, I just, I can't imagine that we're in this situation where literal lives are at stake. And Rob Manfred, who has shown in a record of being completely unsuited to the task, is approaching this like I, my personal feeling is that I don't quit. And therefore, the policy of the league is going to be based on that. And it's like, okay, well, then do something about it. Do something to make the game safer. Do something to make sure the players don't go out to, you know, nightclubs or bars or whatever it is that they think that the the Marlins or the Cardinals players may have done. Like, you know, the NBA is not a model of good organization, but at least they, you know, attempted this bubble thing and these rules where if people leave the bubble and come back, they have a mandatory quarantine. I mean, here it's just relying on people who for their entire lives up to this point have often been the people who go out and party after games, just kind of counting on them to show good sense and not interact with people they don't know and stay within their bubbles. And I mean, there are people who aren't professional athletes who are, are who are going around without masks. Like the whole thing was built on on this precipice of assuming that thousands of people would all act perfectly responsibly. And as soon as one person, um, one person went to, you know, a nightclub or a bar without being safe. And then one person decided not to cancel the game because, you know, Jose Arania decided that the Marlins weren't going to cancel the game, which again, how does that even happen? Like this whole thing is just done so poorly and I want to watch baseball. I love baseball. You know, sitting at home all day because I work from home now is boring and I want to watch baseball, but I don't want people to die because Rob Manfred is counting on, you know, 20 something man boys to, to show good sense. Wow. The man boys came out. Um, the the well, I mean, specific you've... point that, that I'm referencing is that apparently at the beginning of this Marlins epidemic, the several Marlins players may have been in, exposed to covid we don't know exactly how but there are rumors that it was you know at a nightclub or at a bar or something like that um and then apparently even though the marlins knew that this exposure had happened don maddingly the manager instead of just canceling the game he asked jose urania the shortstop what to do and jose urania apparently on a group text with the marlins all decided we're just going to tough through it and it's like Okay, this isn't a thigh sprain. This is a highly this is a um, a disease that you can very easily transmit to people just by standing near them. So this whole the the fact that all these people, especially athletes, are approaching this with a just oh we're going to be tough, we're going to play through it attitude. It's just like it's just it blows my mind that these people are in charge of anything. Yeah, and the argument of if you don't want to do it, then opt out. You know, it's like that's the ultimate you're not a tough guy it's like oh yeah whatever just opt out like don't play fine you're gonna be that way but you and i got into it a little bit the other day about the guys who did decide to play who do break the rules or do break the good faith agreement they made uh when playing the season you were 
giving them a hard time. I was kind of giving them a pass and kind of floating blame to management who would expect thousands of people to all act uniformly just because they'd agreed to. So let me be clear. There can be more than one idiotic party involved. (laughs) Um, On the one hand, the people who are playing the game, who decide to go out and expose themselves uh, to COVID by being around people and and, and knowingly put themselves in danger, which again, knowingly puts thousands of other people and their livelihoods in danger. Those people are idiots. But the management should also have a system in place knowing that something like this might happen. And again, that's where the NBA, you know, for example, is doing it slightly better. And I haven't been following 100%, but like this whole concept of a bubble and making sure that they know when people are going and doing things outside of the bubble. If every, if every member of the team, every athlete, every staff member, every coach opts in, I mean, opts in mentally, if they buy into this system and say, okay, I'm not going to do anything to jeopardize this, then great. But that was never actually going to happen. And because, you know, we know that like 35% of the country thinks that COVID is just a, you know, a common cold that you get over after a few days. So like, obviously there are going to be idiots here and the people should have planned for it. And they didn't. They, the plan was Jose Urania. Yeah. And the NFL is probably even less prepared than Major League Baseball is for what's coming. And that's going to be really interesting. Uh, I was trying to decide if we should just talk about the game we saw, which was the Giants win over the Rangers here on Saturday night, or if we should just dive into the team overall, you know, because one game, it's just one game. But doing the math, every game this season is worth 2.7 games of a regular baseball season. So it's almost a full series worth of games every time they play. So it's yeah. like, yeah, we should talk about this game where they just beat the range seven to three. Yeah, no, we absolutely should. I mean, and we've seen some really, really interesting and really good games in the last, I mean, this whole season, the last eight, uh, nine games, but especially uh, <laughs> if you take away those two stinkers at the beginning of the season against the Dodgers, this has been just a really fun season so far. Yeah, absolutely. In this game tonight, Drew Smiley got the start. Uh, seven strikeouts. He did have to leave early with a blister. Um, the only runs he gave up were after a really, really bad mental error by Heineman, the catcher, who biffed a, a two-out rundown. The next batter, uh, Joey Gallo, came up and knocked in both runs. But that was really the only spot on the Giants' record as far as uh, whenever they were in danger of losing the game. Um, and it took, <laughs> I keep reading this over and over again. The Giants walked 11 times and yeah. had one hit batsman. So 12 times they were awarded a free base. If you don't win that kind of game, you know, the season's not going well. Well, and just anecdotally, I mean, it, feel, it feels like a lot of the walks were, um, were just really kind of gutty at bats or plate appearances. Sorry. Like <laughs> there, were, there were at least two or three, um, from like Yaz and from Belt where they went 0-2 to a walk or 1-2 to a walk. Um, And just a lot of situations in which they didn't panic. They didn't, you know, swing at pitches that were slightly out of the strike zone. They they had a really good feel of the strike zone and they made the Rangers pitchers work, like work really hard um, and often put themselves kind of in situations where they could start it out and play the parents maybe poorly, but then, brought it back to even or brought it back and took a walk. So it was, it was honestly like 
I, I, I was just like, who, who are these guys? Like, this is not something that the non-Brandon Belt giants have really been known for, especially without Posey there. Yeah, absolutely. The plate discipline was on point. You kind of, they kind of, you, you know, I'm a great ping pong player. I'm just going to go ahead and say that on the <laughs> podcast. And there's a couple different ways to play the game we call table tennis. And you can kind of let people beat themselves. You know, if you just keep returning the ball, you know, casually playing your game, you can let them try to go for big shots or, or try to do something fancy and, and end up beating themselves. And that's what the Giants did tonight. They just kind of let the Rangers beat themselves uh, by taking pitches and not chasing out of the zone, you know, working the count, like you said, after they got behind. And that many base runners, eventually the levy's going to break. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure we'll talk at greater length about um, Babe Yaz, but he also walked four times tonight, um, one of which was intentional, but um, – <laughs> they they know that he's the guy. I mean, and and he his his numbers are amazing. And I why would you call him Baby Yaz? Why would you call him Yaz Yaz? <laughs> yeah, Mike Carl Yastrzemski. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's just like like I said. I mean, one of the one of the walks was intentional, but at least one or two of them were, I believe, bases um, full counter were you know, kind of long gutty at bats. And so, yeah, you know, you, you just draw out the pitchers, you get to the bullpen faster. I mean, um, Jordan Lyles wasn't particularly sharp, but they, they got six walks off of the bullpen. Um, and especially when you have somebody like Donnie Barrels out there, just like, you know, with these clutch hits, like getting guys on base will actually result in runs, which is something that we're not particularly used to. I mean, the, uh, you know, just looking at the pitch counts, I mean, Jordan Lyles threw 78 pitches in four innings. Um, and the bullpen, uh, trying to do really quick math in my head right now, um, you know, the, the, bull, the, the bullpen threw, threw another like 50 or 60 pitches. So it was, I mean, it was very impressive to see. Is, is lawyer not required? Matt, you don't need math classes to be a lawyer. Is that what I'm learning? If I was good at math, I would not have gone to law school. <laughs> <laughs> or just known about debt ratios. Um, yeah, and that's self-taught, unfortunately. We, we, we've. I've got a question for you. Who is leading Major League Baseball in runs scored, as far as individual players? Um, I I would guess Yastrzemski, although it might be Solano. No, it's yes. And who's leading the league in RBI? Uh, well, that one feels like it would be it would be Solano. Yeah, Donnie Barrels. Wow. Uh, fastest way to our hearts, RBI. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like, you, I mean, again, I'm going to try to do this, do this math very quickly in my head, but you know, the first time, first time uh, Solano came up to bat in the first, he had one, there's one guy on base. Um, uh, the second time, you know, when Solano came up to bat in the third, he had two guys on base, uh, runners in second and third. Um, the, uh, when he came up to bat in the fifth, he had Slater on Slater on base. Um, and it's just so every time, the only time he came up to bat without anybody on base was the seventh inning because he was leading off the inning. So every other time he could have come up to base. Oh, I'm sorry. And then he batted again in the eighth and he had, uh, and he had bases loaded. And that's, you know, that's when he singled in another run. So every time he came up to bat, that wasn't leading off an inning. He had runners on, he had runners on base and he's been delivering. 
And, you know, that combination is runs. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, our RBI, like RBI is obviously a product of how good your team is at putting people on base when you come up to bat, but it's also clutch hitting and he's doing both and, you know, both are falling for him. Yeah. And he's done it for his entire Giants tenure. You know, even at the beginning of the season, they showed his uh, career with runners in scoring position and it's a very high unsustainable batting average, but uh, like I said, fastest way to a fan's heart is just knocking in runs. Uh, and I was a little worried about how that game started off, and I kind of want to talk about something off of the game. Uh, Crawford getting picked off was annoying. Uh, I know the Rangers also had a situation on the base paths. Um, but what I really wanted to talk about was Tyler Heineman because I am ready to call the experiment behind the plate uh, an epic failure. Uh, he's not framing pitches well. He's losing strikes. Uh, botched that rundown and he attempted a drag bunt that just plotted into the dirt and was the second out of an inning for no reason. Just he has not executed anything from behind the plate that a major league team should expect from their catcher. I mean, he's batting 300. Again, obviously, it's a, not very many at bats that we're looking at, but um, and you know, I was, I think it was yesterday on the post game wrap or something like that, Kruko was talking about. Kruger was talking about framing, and again, give it a grain of salt because Kruger loves it, uh, loves to um, talk about you know how how good various Giants players are. But he was talking about framing, and he said that he thought that Heineman was a, was a relatively good framer. I mean, Posey's a great framer, but he said Heineman was a good framer. Um, so I'm not I'm not giving up on Heineman yet. I mean, we we don't have Posey. Uh, Chadwick Trump is apparently how you pronounce it. Um, is not going to play every day, and again, is also very un- unproven. I think that I think Heineman should should have a little more leash here. And yes, we we've seen we've seen some bonehead plays on defense so far this season. I mean, particularly in the rundowns scenario, but um, I think those are just nerves. 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 Okay, not nerfs. Not you know the plural of nerf. No, uh, you know these guys know know what they're doing. I mean. What are you seeing from Heineman that, that again, if we had Posey playing, you know, vintage Posey, like, yes, I would prefer him, but our options are him or Rob Brantley. Is, is that his name? I've already forgotten yeah. um, who I believe we DFA'd. Um, I, I, we talked about this in the last episode. I'm wanting, especially with the Giants being five and four in an expanded playoff format, uh, wanting Zaidi to take the next couple of weeks and see where the Giants are and look at maybe getting someone uh, off another roster uh, to add behind the plate. I mean, I just don't know that there are going to be good options there. I don't know that, you know, I don't know that I feel comfortable giving up anything in terms of like an asset, uh, whether it's draft pick or trading a player, you know, trading a prospect for this season when, as you so artfully demonstrated in your explanation as to why buying cardboard cutouts is a bad idea, could end tomorrow. This season could end any moment, you know, and are you, are we going to trade? Are we going to actually, you know, give away some sort something that the giants I'm trying to find a way to say this without commodifying, you know, human lives. But um, so, but is it worth it to trade away the rights to, you know, a a minor league player um, for what might end up being literally one week of, some you know veteran veteran major leaguer who may not actually end up being very very good or all that much better than the in-house options 
I think by August 31st, we should have a better idea of whether the season is going to conclude itself in a normal fashion or whether there's a chance it gets called. I think the next seven days will be kind of the make or break as far as if they're able to get this contained or if it's going to continue to spread. So I'm not asking Farhan to trade someone tomorrow, but we have 30 days until the deadline on August 31st to assess and look at getting someone else behind the dish. I don't know. I'm just, I'm over, I, I don't like watching strikes go away. You know, obviously it's the umpire's fault for not calling the strike, but you have to set the umpire up and Heinemann just doesn't have that skill right now. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's obviously so hard to judge as to whose fault it is. I mean, you, we've seen some bad strike zones, but again, you know, and, and of course you notice it all the more when, there's a, a strike three that didn't get called. And then the next pitch, you know, is a two run double or a home run or something like that. And there have been a few of those this season, but it's just like, it's these tiny, tiny, you know, marginal changes. Like, do you think that there's a veteran catcher that we could trade for, you know, without giving up too much and who, who would be demonstrably better at framing and offense? Like I just, I don't really, I mean, again, in a month, we may know that Tyler Heineman's not the guy. We may know that Trump, Trump is not the guy. But now it's like, I don't know that there's someone out there who would be affordable, who would be, and who would actually be worth it because of a reliable improvement. All right. Well, we'll keep our eye on it. And one of us is going to end up eating crow in this situation. Uh, we talked about uh, yeah, how many, how many Weight Watchers points is crow? Uh, the eggs, the milk, the meat. Well, normal chicken eggs are zero points, so let's just go with that. <laughs> are crow's eggs appreciably different than chicken eggs? I, I don't know that anybody knows the answer to that. <laughs> well, I'm going to find out. We talked oh, about Yasmin. just a quick point. I was just looking at Donnie Barrels' uh, splits, and I hadn't really realized this. Um, he is batting. So, again, this is before today. <clears throat> but against lefties... His batting line is zero, zero, zero. Against righties, his batting line is 688 batting average, 647 on base, 1125 slugging. That was small sample size theater from Daniel Zarchi. <laughs> That's yeah, but he's he's 11 for 16 uh, with four doubles, a home and a homer, and 10 RBI. 10 RBI and 17 plate appearances is not bad. Yeah, so Yaz and Donnie Barrels have been driving the offense. Um, Pence and Crawford have not. Uh, we can talk a little bit about the veteran Giants, you know, the, the, the championship-winning Giants going out there. Hunter Pence is 0 for the season. I believe he's at 23 plate appearances now. What? You know, Hunter Pence is – I mean, he's a weird cat, like, anyway, but – I just have no idea what to what, what to expect. I mean, obviously, we That's saw him. That's our first ever designated hitter. I think we should start going with designated batter. Um, wow. No, sorry. Sorry, Hunter. I love you. <laughs> I actually made that joke on Twitter, and then I deleted it because I felt bad. <laughs> so then you did it again? You're going to delete uh, no, it? On nobody listens to this. No, I love Hunter, and I, I, I honestly have never rooted for anything, any any hit like I have uh, Hunter getting a hit this season, you know, doing well this season. I mean, obviously we saw him in 2018 um, and he, he looked, you know, he looked like he was at the end of his career. 
Um, and he was a fan favorite, obviously, um, you know, a key component in two World Series and a playoff run in 2016. And we all loved him. And I think we all accepted that in 2018, that was, you know, they weren't going to bring him back and he wasn't, and that was okay. Um, and then he played great for the Rangers, you know, uh, but now here in his, even in his revenge series against his former team, against the Texas Rangers, you know, we're, we're not seeing anything from him. So I don't like, is he 2018 Hunter? Is he 2019 Hunter? Um, is it just that, you know, and I, I, I mean, I have no reason to believe that he is bad again after he played really well last year. He obviously stays in really good shape. I mean, his numbers were fantastic on the Rangers. So I think, you know, I think that he's going to snap out of it. Um, I can't imagine why he, you know, why this is happening. So I don't know. I have no idea. I, I am happy to give him as many at-bats as he needs. Just keep sending him out there. Like, He's earned 15, it. 15% of the season. 15% of the season is over. Yeah, I don't care. The season is over. He doesn't have a hit. <laughs> just, you know what? Just, I don't care. He's earned this. And, you know, I don't feel that way about anything, but he's earned this. How many, how many plate appearances did Eugenio Velez have before he got He was 37. Set, like, the major, it's like the major league futility record. I think it was in the 40s. No, I, I feel like it was 37, but it was for the Dodgers. So it was, you know... Obviously, it was something that we were happy with. Let's see. I'll find this. You know, former Giant, well, obviously. Was that something that, like, carried over yeah, between both teams? Oh, okay. So, he went. Yes. Wow, so, it was nice nine at-bats for the Giants and then 0 for 37 to start the season for the Dodgers. So, it was 46 total. Um, but he also didn't get a hit the whole season for the Dodgers. Um, I think he only had 37. It's that we're both right. Yeah. It's almost never happened. Um, I don't care. You know, uh, I mean, give him fast approaching that record. No, 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 I think, you know, I think he's going to get a hit soon. I think he's going to get hot. Like, I I just, I can't imagine that something snapped and he forgot how to play. You know, I I, I just, I I want there to be a rational explanation for what's happening. And there isn't one that would justify him just, you know, forgetting to bring a bat up to the plate you know like it doesn't make any sense so i think i think he's gonna i think we should assume that he's you know his skill set is similar to what it was last year with a minor adjustment for age and you know all the wackiness that's going on that might be affecting them mentally and just assume that he's going to be okay you know i mean crawford is is another situation where like he still has a reputation for being a great defender i mean the numbers don't exactly bear that out and what was interesting was, I think it was in the offseason, uh, Gabe Kapler made some statement to the effect of, you know, Brandon Crawford is going to need to work on his, like, pre-pitch sequence or, like, reading pitches off the ball or something like that. And, like, Giants fandom on Twitter just, like, freaked out. And they're like, how dare you criticize Brandon Crawford? And it was like, well, if you look at the numbers, he's not actually an elite defender anymore. Like, um, you know, it's – I mean, he's got a negative – defensive war on baseball Baseball reference that is not determinative of anything especially given that you know so little of the season has has happened i mean hitting like we are seeing uh we are seeing a return of the hitting like he i mean he went over one today with two walks which is in in a hit by pitch um danny you walked twice today 
Well, I also went for a run, but it, you know, it wasn't very fast. Um, similar to Brandon Crawford. He, he also got a run today. So, um, I don't know. Like the question is not what's going on with this person or, or, you know, how are they doing or what's their skill set? If the, if there really isn't a possibility for, um, for change, you know, like, are we not going to play Brandon Crawford? I mean, he's already sitting some of the time so that Dubon or Flores or um, some of these other guys can, you know, get platoon, the platoon advantage. Um, I don't think he should play less than that. I mean, Flores has been an everyday guy in his career. There's no reason that he can't hit his way into an everyday spot with the Giants if Crawford's bat. And especially Crawford's power doesn't come back. He doesn't have an extra base hit yet. He didn't hit for power last season. Right, but Flores, you know, in his whole career has been uh, not a great defender. I mean, let alone an above-average defender. So I don't know that we would necessarily trust him to uh, take the reins or anything like that. Um, you know, I think that we're going to see – I think the better solution is that we're going to see Brandon Crawford, you know, get more starts um, against righties. And I cannot – for life, me remember. Uh, okay, and and we'll see Flores, you know, get bats against lefties, and we're going to see Dubon switch between second and third, and we're going to see uh, second and short. And I mean, Solano is going to play, you know, all around the infield, and like we have so many guys in this Kapler, you know, Bochi model that can play like three or four or five positions. That I think, uh, you know, we've already seen Kapler playing with these really um, stacked platoon lineups. I think that's going to continue, and I don't think that, um, you know, against righties in particular, that Crawford is a worse solution than the other options. Yeah, I guess I agree with you there. Uh, Brandon Belt is back uh, over the last week. He's been able to get some plate appearances after dealing with an injury. Uh, and he gets to first base better than almost anybody in the world. He's very good at standing at home plate and then being awarded first base. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I made a joke today uh, that Brandon Crawford, uh, that Brandon Belt is going to finish the season batting zero, eight hundred, and zero, and, <laughs> and people are still going to be mad that he didn't hit enough home runs, you know, as a first baseman. I mean, he's like he's the ultimate patient player who is going to piss you off when he, you know, didn't swing at a pit, at a marginal pitch that was, you know, as Krukenkuk would say, a fifty-fifty ball, like. You know, but um, he gets on base and especially, and again, we're extrapolating a lot out of a little, but especially in this lineup where you have guys like Yastrzemski and Solano and, you know, guys who are hitting really well, like getting on base is very important. And, you know, it's the same thing that made Joey Votto a superstar, which is that, you know, yes, he could hit home runs and yes, he played gold glove defense. But if you get on base and you have a decent lineup behind you, like you don't need to hit every ball out of the park. But did Joey Votto have slumpy shoulders? I mean, that's just that's the 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 giant that's the giant bullshit of all this thing. You know, it's like, who cares about body language? Who cares about this or that? Like, Brandon Belt is Brandon Belt is you know has one of the best um, you know eyes for, eyes for the plate of anyone in the league, and that's extremely valuable. Agreed. And I hope he can succeed. Uh, we did see some good things out of Darren Ruff, who's hitting for a little bit of power, knocking in some runs. Uh, they can get him playing time in the outfield uh, and when Belt needs a day off. Um, that Back to that trivia question I wanted to ask you, 
Uh, it's a two-part question. How many Giants pitchers have started a game this season, and what do they all have in common? Well, what they all have in common is that none of them have gone f- more than four innings. <laughs> um, wait, no, did I'm trying to remember if if there was somebody who went like four point one? They certainly not gone more than I think five some, innings. Some some guys have pitched into the fifth inning. Yeah, none um, of them have gone five innings. But let me see. Let me see how many um, how many I can name. Um, Cueto, Samarja, Logan Webb, Tyler Anderson. Um, Drew Smiley, uh, Kevin Gossman. Um, I think Quato, I mean, Quato again. So I'm just trying to count the number of games. So I'm, there are two games I'm not accounting for. Um, Webb might have pitched twice. Webb has pitched twice. Quato's pitched twice. So then there's somebody I'm not remembering. The only person you're forgetting is today's starting pitcher. Today's starting pitcher. No, I said Drew Smiley. Oh, you said Smiley. Okay. Well, I'm going to say, I'm going to say seven. There are six. Okay, six. So okay, Quedo, so Webb, Samarja, Gaussman, Anderson, and Smiley. Yeah, you got okay. Them okay, so so some of them, one one of the other ones had pitched more than two, at least two times. Um, yeah, man. <laughs> like, I don't really know what to think about it. Like, obviously, they're getting the job done. Other than the first two games, um, they're getting the job done in that they are leaving the game with. You know, I can't without the game being out of hand you know uh i guess those padres games they they were pretty far behind and the giants ended up having to come back um but you know in a lot of situations like you know you're, you're seeing people like connor menez and um you know sean anderson and tyler anderson and all the andersons you know anderson family um coming in and pitching multiple innings you know in the fourth and fifth and sixth and like it's working. And I don't know if you ever read um, The Only Rule Is It Has to Work, a book by Sam Miller and, uh, you know, a couple by a couple of baseball guys uh, where they went and ran the Sonoma Stompers for a year. Um, and one thing that they tried, you know, which is a very stat favorable thing, is they tried what they called having, you know, a fireman um, role for the pitchers. Uh, let me see. Which means that sometimes they would start and sometimes they would, you know, come in in the third or fourth or whatever um, when the starter, you know, has shat the bed and pitch a few innings. Okay, let me see. Oh, it's Ben Lindbergh and Sam Miller. Um, so it's interesting kind of to see that because, again, you know, we're we're so used to the system where the starter, starter has to go five innings and get the win and all that. But, I mean, I think Kapler's done a fairly good job of, recognizing that this starter doesn't have it and um you know it's time to move to the bullpen and you combine that with what we've heard from a lot of the beat writers which is that there is a fear that the quick ramp up you know the the short summer camp instead of like a month of spring training um presents more of a risk a risk to pitchers who go too high in pitch count and so you know from the very beginning especially when the rosters were uh were bigger the Giants made a conscious decision. Kapler made a conscious decision that none of the pitchers were going to pitch uh, very high into the pitch count. So, you know, even guys like Cueto and Samarja, who regularly throw 100 plus and seem perfectly fine, it feels like a strategy, you know, notwithstanding what was happening on the field, that they were just not going to pitch anything close to that, especially at the beginning of the season. Starting pitching wins had already taken a huge hit as far as relevance or meaning 
towards something like the Cy Young or, you know, just analyzing pitchers in general, it's completely irrelevant this season. Like, it, why even look at it? I'm regretting even coming up with this statistic that no San Francisco Giants pitcher has a win or qualified for a win uh, this season by number of innings. It's just, it's irrelevant now. It, it, it's completely irrelevant. <laughs> you know, like, um, and again, you know, player injuries are so hard to, um, you know, you can't say that this person got injured because of this. But we have seen some major injuries to uh, to starters and to pitchers. Um, you know, people like Justin Verlander, who are who have you know been shut down for weeks. You know, not to mention people who came into the season injured, like Chris Sale and stuff like that. Um, and so I again, you know, I read a whole book by Jeff Passan about that was basically we don't know why pitchers get hurt, <laughs> but um, we don't know why pitchers get hurt. But it seems. You know, if it's working, it's working. The only rule is it has to work. Oh, hey, nice callback. <laughs> um, all right. A couple of things I wanted to discuss here with you. Uh, Gabe Kapler made a blunder, I guess we'll call it, uh, in his managerial uh, debut here with the Giants. He attempted to pull Tyler Rogers out of a game, um, but the pitching coach had already gone out for a visit. So he brought Rodgers back to the bench and the umpires declared that Rodgers had to go back out on the mound uh, because it was an illegal visit. And he Rodgers ended up getting even more shelled than he already was at the time in that game against the Padres. And it was just overall a bad look for Kapler. Uh, what was your take on what happened that night? I honestly couldn't care less. Like, obviously, you know, it was a, it was a nice moment uh, when Bochy called out Donnie two times for – you know, when Madden Lee did that as a manager for the for the Dodgers, like it was, you know, hey, this guy knows the rule book. Ha ha, that's cool. I mean, I don't care. Like, I'm not going to sing the praises of Kapler this season, but I mean, I don't think he's been, you know, the best manager in baseball. But also, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, Rogers got roughed up. I, I think I, that you can attribute that to, I mean, I don't know. He just, he didn't have it. <laughs> the fact that Kapler forgot. Here is doesn't bother me at all you can't sit here on this podcast where we have talked about the don mattingly thing on the podcast or with dodger fans in person over and over again about how much bochi owned mattingly in that moment and how it meant our manager was better than anything the dodgers have been able to put together and then when it happens in reverse be like ah no big deal i mean but do you think that Dodger fans like lost faith in Mattingly because of that. Like, yes, it's a funny moment. It's a, it's a, you know, I know the rule book and you don't, which, you know, as a lawyer, like I should like, I should love that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's just like, there's so many other pieces of data that we should be, you know, gauging Kapler on that mean more than this. And I just, I don't care, you know, and all the articles I saw about this stupid moment were like, you know, he like apologized profusely and he was just like, you know, I can't believe I did that. And there's even an article, I think, from Baggerly or, you know, or something like that that was like, you know, causes some people to lose faith in him. It's just like you've got Don, you've got Donovan Solano batting 450 because of, you know, the, the right moments that you put him in. Like, 
Like I heard, I heard this described recently and I, I've always liked it, which is that 90% of what, a, what a manager does, we don't see. Um, but the 90%, uh, but the stuff that the manager does that we don't see is 90% of what makes them a good manager. And you know, the 10% is game management. And we'll never know if, you know, if Rogers would have done, would have done differently, if something had different, something different had happened, if, you know, they'd brought someone else in, like, yes, like when Donnie, the Donnie two times event happened, it worked out great. And of course we love to crow about shit like that, but like, that doesn't mean it's true. That doesn't mean that, you know, the advantage that we got from bringing in a cold pitcher who only got eight warm-up throws definitely meant that, you know, he was going to give up that RBI hit to whoever that was years ago. I just don't care. Yeah, but it's tough in a short season that it's it's really embarrassing to Tyler Rogers, who clearly didn't have his stuff and now has a, a nine spot in his earned run uh, category. And that's the kind of stuff that gets you paid or not paid as a major league player. And part of the reason to get him out at that moment is because you're just absolutely damaging uh, his numbers in a way that he's not going to be able to recover from this season, just taking on those extra runs. It's just something you do for your pitching staff to make sure that they don't have those inflated numbers on nights they don't have it. Yeah, that that's unfortunate. But does that make you doubt that Kapler is a good manager? Yes. Interesting. Okay. I mean, you're welcome to your opinion. I mean, you you, you don't embarrass your employees as a manager. It's just not something that you do. I mean, I think you can look at like it just, okay. You look at the things that he's done to embarrass his employees. What about the things that he's done that have made his employees look excellent that have made people like Donovan Solano and Mike Yastrzemski look excellent. I mean, you know, it's easier to look at those and say, Oh, well that's, you know, that's Solano just hitting. Well, that's not, um, that's not because of Kapler, but if you're going to attribute this to Kapler, then attribute the other stuff to Kapler. These are the only things that I'm qualified and barely even that to criticize him on because those are the only things, like you said, that's the 10% that I do see. So I guess I'll just live in the 10%. There you go. <laughs> All right. A uh, couple of things I wanted to go through. Um, the DH, I think, is a pretty well-worn topic for us. I don't think either of us particularly like it. I don't think it suits you know, the kind of baseball we grew up watching. I know you grew up watching a lot more A's games than I did. So you have more experience with it. Um, we don't really have to go over that again. But I wanted to ask you, um, what do you think about the extra innings rule and why do you hate it so much? Let me just say about the DH that I, I guess I would prefer not to have the DH in a normal season. Um, but on my list of, you know, on my give a shit meter it's pretty low, you know. And honestly, in this season where – most of the games are structured not based on American League or National League, but are structured based on um, geographic proximity to cut down on travel time. I don't care. I'm perfectly happy with it. It would be weird. It would be way too weird if, like, if you had to switch between the rules so many times because you're playing a lot more interleague games. I'm perfectly fine with it. Sure, I wish that RDH was actually, you know, better than O for 23, but... <laughs> Um, that's not the rules fault. I'm fine with it. And, you know, if baseball became um, a universal DH sport, I would be a little bummed, but I wouldn't really care. And I would, I like, I, I, I'm okay with it. It's just, it's something that I am not willing to fight about. What, what do you hate about the extra innings rule? The extra innings rule. I, I just, 
I know this sounds old fashioned, but just like, I hate anything that is outside of the rules. Like, like baseball is, there's certain things that are just have always been part of baseball. And one of them that seems pretty, pretty sacrosanct is nobody is on base when the inning starts. <laughs> like, is that so hard? Um, it's just, I don't know. I, I just hate that it throws everything off, you know, that you have these situations where like a bat, where a pitcher comes like for years. I mean, f- the way it's always been is that a pitcher comes in to start the inning and they get to, you know, pitch out of the stretch, uh, pitch out of the windup. And then they might have to pitch out of the stretch when, if they let a runner get on and like, there's just a, a difference, but my overall hatred of it is that I don't think that Rob Manfred likes baseball. <laughs> And the whole idea of, you know, spurring the offense to make the games go faster, there's no evidence that that works. Like, if you look at the time of game for for this year compared to previous years, it's the same. It hasn't changed. It's like it's somewhere between three hours and three hours and ten minutes, and it's been that way for decades. And that has more to do with commercial time and more to do, you know, with the way the TV networks work than it does with how long it takes a pitcher to throw their pitch or, you know, or whether the defense is allowed to shift or whether there's a fucking runner on second base in the 10th inning. It just doesn't make any sense. I hate that they have to like basically fudge the rules so that if the runner scores, it's not attributed to the pitcher. That just doesn't make any sense. Like just, it's just so weird and I don't like it. It's like Pac-Man. When you start Pac-Man, you have some free reign to go. You start at the towards the bottom of the screen. The ghosts start in their little box. You get to chomp on some pills or whatever the heck those little dots are. I just always assumed they were pills. <laughs> <laughs> and Gotta get you, know, more. you get a little you get a little wiggle room before the ghost starts coming after your shit. Now imagine you're playing Pac-Man and you start in your little spot on the bottom of the screen. And then randomly there's ghosts everywhere. That's what it's got to be like to be a a pitcher uh, in this new extra innings rule where you come into the game and there's already a dude behind you who you had nothing to do with. And he did not do anything to be there other than be the last guy out. He did the opposite of getting on base. He was literally the last guy to not get on base. And you've just given him base. I hate it. Yeah. Uh, It... Like, I just want to know who likes it. Who likes it? I have a better idea. I have a better idea. We start every every inning, the 10th inning on, with a guy in a rundown between first and second base. (laughs) If he can get on base, more power to him. If he makes an out, it doesn't count as an out. He just doesn't get the base. Here's the thing. All right, so we have the last guy who got out. We have the last guy who got out from the previous inning. We have him parachute down. And whatever base he's able to land on, that's what base he starts from. <laughs> All right, let me ask you this. Would you rather have the extra inning roll with a runner on second or make it so that every extra inning you get four outs instead of three? I would not change the out structure. If we're talking, first of all, if we're talking about speeding up end of game, I don't like shootouts in hockey or soccer. 
I think that those are penalty kicks, shootouts. I don't think that those are accurate ways to end baseball games, similar to if they had right. a home run derby to end a baseball game. Right, because the skills that get you to a tie are not the same skills that win you the shootout or, you know, whatever uh, whatever skills test you have at the end of the game. Um, I, this is barely an honest suggestion, but it's the best thing I can come up with as an alternative to just bring out the juiced balls. Tenth inning, <laughs> juice ball time. Turn off the humidor. Yeah, humidor <laughs> gone. Hey, remember those baseballs that, that almost ruined baseball? Let's bring those out for the extra innings. I mean, arguably they're already out. <laughs> um, you know, like we're, we're hearing from, you know, Kruk and Kipe and people who are watching that the balls are flying off the bats these days. Yeah. I don't know, but I, like it, it's just somebody was pointing out today that a pitcher could – throw a perfect game, get to the 10th inning, and lose despite never giving up a base runner. Uh, Daniel, a starting pitcher could never be in the 10th inning. They can't get to the 5th inning. <laughs> Not a Giants starting pitcher, mind you. I'm talking like, you know, one of the... I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about Warren Spawn. <laughs> I, it's just, I just, I hate it when, I mean, we, this is a well-worn topic, but I hate it when they over-legislate these things. You know, I hate that they, I hate any suggestion of banning the shift because there's just, you know, just like I hate the three inning, the three batter rule for, um, for relief pitchers, because, you know, one of the, one of the sacrosanct parts of baseball is that people can play it however they want. If you want to put, you know, all lefties in your lineup, you're allowed to do that. If you want to bat your pitcher fourth, you're allowed to do that. Like, it's not a good idea, but you're allowed to do that. Um, you know, and it should be the same that if you want to have an, an seven man outfield, you can do that. You're going to lose because someone's going to bunt, but like you're allowed to do that. And if you want to, and you're only allowed 25 players. So if you want to, you know, use those up on one batter each in the sixth inning and then end up having to, you know, use your backup catcher in the ninth, like you're entitled to do that. You're going to lose, but you're entitled to do that. Um, but Rob Manfred keeps making rules that he thinks are going to make the game better, but instead limit people's options. And I just, I don't, I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, reducing the number of pitching changes is a way to shorten the game, but I think there's ways to shorten the game that have nothing to do with pitching changes. I really liked the idea of a pitch clock. Um, I know it got little to no traction with the players because they just didn't give a shit and nobody was there to enforce it. So, I mean, I guess that's a failure. I've never made a rule and then never made any attempt to enforce it before. I guess that's what, like, weak parents do. Well, just like <laughs> one, of the, one of the still unresolved questions is, what happens if you violate the mound of visits rule? Nobody has ever made that clear. I don't know. Does the other team get to just randomly place someone on a base? <laughs> Like they just make these rules and they don't make people like they have no nothing about how it's going to be enforced. And just, you know, it's like when I know that you're not a dog person or somebody who, who has had a dog, but it's like when you, you know, it's like when you have a dog on a leash and you like use one of the baby gate, or, you know, you have a dog in your house, you put a baby gate there. And it's like you a hundred percent, you know, and the dog knows that the dog can jump over the gate anytime they want, but they know that you're subtly suggesting, please don't, you know, or you take their leash when you're out and you kind of wrap it around a pole and you're like, I'll be back in five minutes. And like, 
you know, and the dog knows that it's not tied on there. And if they even tried, they could get away, but, but they don't, you know, that's kind of how they're going about these rules. Like we didn't, we never found out what would happen when you violate the pitch clock. We never found out what would happen if you violate the mound visits rule. So coming, it, coming out on point? Amazon, a, a new book titled, uh, things me and my dog know by Daniel Zarchi. <laughs> There, uh, you know, one of the fun things on Twitter recently has been um, pointing out how Cody Bellinger has standing stone face, um, which, you know, as somebody who personally has standing stone face, I, I sympathize with him. But apparently, in you know, all of his press conferences and all the pictures of you know, candid photos of him just like doing anything, he just, you know, his eyes are half closed and he, he just looks stoned. And one of them that I saw earlier today was, you know, him looking stoned with the with the caption of... Um, I wonder if my dog gave me a name when we first met, <laughs> which I just I loved so much. Um, I it's, can I rant again? I have a rant. Yeah, please do. I'll, I'll mute. So I'm in a house right now where there is DVR, and I haven't had cable or DVR in quite some time. Illegal streaming, or you know, watching a game at at work or at a bar, I get by. Now, now I've got DVR, so I figure I didn't get to watch the Giants game yesterday or the Sacramento Kings game, so I'll record an hour of SportsCenter. I'll see some highlights, catch the drift, so I, I start SportsCenter. They go into the Kings game. I watch the highlights. Oh, the Kings lost. What a shame. Basketball hell, Sacramento, California. I fast forward through some commercials. They do some analysis, some guys talking Tim Legler for a while. I see a baseball game here, a baseball game there. And then Sports Center's over. They didn't show the highlights of the Giants Rangers game that the Giants won nine to two. Why have a show that shows sports highlights on the hour, every hour, for an hour, and not show the sports highlights? Not show the sports highlights for the game that you wanted. Show all of them. <laughs> are we are we so inundated in sports right now? Are we so overwhelmed on the eighth day of sports that we can't cover every game in an hour an hour <laughs> so i went to bed last night not hadn't knowing who won had I, I knew who won but i wanted to see how were there a bunch of singles were there some home runs or did anyone get hit in the beans i don't know several people actually <laughs> I, I had no i had no way of knowing yeah that's rough buddy where, where are we at, SportsCenter, ESPN? What are you doing? You know, Thomas, um, there is this thing called the internet that I'd like to direct you to that uh, where I understand that baseball highlights can be hard to find because MLB Advanced Media doesn't understand how people use the internet. But um, the at-bat app has condensed game. I highly recommend it. Let me continue my rant then because yeah. this morning – I woke up thinking, oh, I still have that itch I need to scratch. I need to see the Giants highlights from last night. So I went to MLB.com and I looked up the highlights for the game and they have uh, the three or four minute highlight of the game, but it's not narrated. It's just snippets of the game as called by the different radio and TV announcers from the day. I want somebody there calling the highlights. NBA.com has several employees who tape and dub over their voices and call the highlights. And it's nice. They can make jokes. They can tell you how many points somebody had in the game. 
uh, you know, stuff that the announcers can't do because they're broadcasting the game live. So when you're just chopping them up at the end, all of a sudden the game's over and they just show you the score at the end. And they're like, well, that was a game. It's you stupid just, and I hate it. Just when you were describing that, you got me thinking about the guy who goes, boom goes the dynamite in the basketball game, <laughs> which if you haven't yeah. seen that, that's very funny. <laughs> and, and, and boom goes I, the dynamite. I, I need some, I need some, I need some curation here. I need somebody. I mean, I know Stuart, Stuart Scott's dead, but someone in the vein of Stuart Scott to let me know the general theme of the game, the flow of how it went, not just show me five consecutive snippets of highlights and then flash a final score at the end. Like there has to be some consequence to this. Yeah. You know, it's, this is a subject that I've given up on because I root for a West Coast team that has been bad for quite some time. So, uh, you know, you pointed out, like you now live on the East Coast. So like, do you think there are people who are staying up till 1230 Eastern to see how the Giants Rangers game ended? They moved SportsCenter to LA. Well, you know what? I don't know that there are any, there's any excuse. Like they just, I don't know. And, and, and I don't know. Happy man. birthday, Madison Bumgarner. Happy 31st birthday. Yeah. Cheers to Bum, who uh, can't throw 90 anymore, apparently. Whatever. I mean, 31 hurts. Well, that is when everything starts to go, starts to fall apart. That's when our podcast fell apart. <laughs> our podcast fell apart when I started law school. And I was, uh, let's see, when was that? 2012. So I was 25. That's not when it fell apart. We held on for a little bit longer. <laughs> um, so... Let's look forward. Um, we've got a 10-game road trip against the Rockies, Dodgers, and Astros. Then we're coming home. Um, these are all good teams. You know, the Rockies and Dodgers um, have had really good seasons so far. Obviously, limited time. The Astros are the Astros. What do you, uh, what do you think we're going to see? Hopefully 10 baseball games. Yeah, well, okay. So let's pretend that we're just going to go forward and that all these games are going to happen. Things happen. I mean, at this point in time, the Rockies have played seven games. They're five and two. The Dodgers are six and three. They've played the same number of games as the Giants. Um, the Astros are four and four, but obviously they're the Astros. And all three of those teams have better run differentials than the Giants. Um, all of those teams have positive run differentials, which the Giants do not. Um, so uh, I think, I mean, based on that metric, those teams are all probably better than the Giants, but... Um, let's make a let's make a prediction. Ten games. What, what's your record? You've watched a game or two of the Giants at Coors Field. It's a, it's a goddamn poop show every single time <laughs> that we go over there. Uh, six and four. Giants go six and four on this road trip. Wow, optimistic. Um, you know what? I like that. I like six and four. I mean, I could six four, six five actually. I can't pick six five right now. Um, See, but I want to, I, 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 if you had picked something worse, I would have picked six, four, but just yeah, for but the hell which, of it, which six and which four <laughs> I'll take, I'll take, I'll go seven and three just to, just to add a little tension to this show. Well, there's tension. Um, I think that we go three out of four um, against the Rockies. And then I think um, lose two of three to the Dodgers, lose two of three to the Dodgers. And uh what, Take two out of three from Houston is what what would have to happen. I guess so. I'm trying to look at this calendar and like I panned up a tiny bit too far and now we're in April. So <laughs> <laughs> what what but whatever happened to May and June? You know, 
That's a very good question. I can't remember a single thing I did in May or June. I don't either. I really don't. Um, yeah, so that's, that's my prediction. We go three of four against the Rockies, one and two against the Dodgers, and two and three, two and one against the uh, Strohs. Does that add up to seven? No, it doesn't. Six. I'm at six. All right, I guess we'll go two or three against the uh, – actually, I think we sweep the Astros. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas and Danny are wrong about baseball. It's back. That's that. It's back, baby. <laughs> All right, buddy. I think that's it for for our Saturday night podcast. Yeah. Well, tomorrow's going to be another fun day, another rematch of the 2010 World Series. Uh, how's things going for you? How's work? Man, work has been busy. Baseball has been a nice, nice respite. Nice. How about you? Yeah. Trivia has been going good. Uh, T Todd virtual trivia is chugging along. Um, got quizzes eh, Tuesday through Friday, usually. Um, looking to expand the company a little bit. Going to bring on a new person and hopefully get some more quizzes going. That's um, awesome. Yeah, it's big, big, bright thing. Still collaborating with the Washington Post. Um, you know, follow me at T Todd trivia on Instagram and you can win a Washington Post shirt. Zarchi, you actually won uh, a signed copy of a book. I did, and a, and a shirt, not signed. But well, you got a shirt too? Yeah, no, I, I'm going to get a shirt signed by Jeff Bezos, which I'm going to try to transfer onto a check. Oh, um, stop it. Oh, stop it. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I may have accidentally cheated my way into a book and a t-shirt. Wait, how did you get the shirt? Uh, they just said they'd send that to me too. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. People are so nice to you for no reason. <laughs> no reason at all. You're, all right. you're like the guy who gets to go to second base because he was the last guy out. <laughs> uh, born on second base thinking he hit a double yes exactly well thank you for listening we appreciate it uh if you're out there uh send us a tweet let us know you're listening and uh yeah go giants go giants